grace, mercy, and especially today, peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here again these words from the fourth servant song of the prophet Isaiah. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. You may be seated. There's a saying that comes to us from antiquity that that most all of us are familiar with. Uh, If maybe not in the original Latin, civis pacem parabellum. See if you can finish it for me. If you want peace, prepare for war. This saying has driven the the budgets and and the agendas of nations and, and corporations throughout history. And it's made its way into the hearts of most individual human beings as well. Based on our experience with the world around us, we soon find that peace is a costly commodity. The same sentiment is expressed by the patriotic phrase found on bumper stickers across the country that, that stands as a tribute to the sacrifice of our troops. Freedom isn't free. And whatever political points have been made in, in the years using these words, I, I think most of us would agree that, that their truth is self-evident. And so as the first point in your sermon outline suggests, peace has a price. Long before Latin was ever really a language, the prophet Isaiah talked about this in one of the greatest prophecies of all. Isaiah poignantly proclaims that if you want peace, prepare for war. That freedom isn't free. That peace has a price. In fact, it costs God everything. Upon him, that is, Jesus, was the chastisement that brought us peace. In order to secure peace for us, God had to go to war with death. In Christ, God had to die. Isaiah's message and the message of the whole Bible is that God had to pay the ultimate price for our peace, had to suffer the the deepest violence and the greatest injustice. And yet the greatest injustice of man proved to be the very justice of God a powerful and peculiar kind of justice that has justified you. In our epistle reading, we just heard Paul say, for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. When we deserve neither a healing nor a hearing, Jesus gave us both. With his wounds, we are healed. But before we get going too far into this, let's stop for just a second because we just had Good Friday a little bit over a week ago. Didn't we talk about all of this then? In fact, Isaiah 53 was our our Old Testament reading for the 9.30 and 7 o'clock Good Friday services. So why rehash all of this so soon, just a week after Easter? Isn't Jesus alive now? It's just almost as ridiculous as snow in April. We're supposed to be done with this by now, aren't we? What's with the buzzkill? 
Well, I have two answers to that question. The the first is that after taking a break for Easter, we're back with our Believe program. And the topic for today is peace. And one of the readings happened to be from Isaiah 53. But the second answer is more in the form of a question. If Jesus is alive, then why does our conscience still tend to plague us? If Jesus is alive then why does peace still somehow, sometimes, manage to elude us? We're talking about all of this today because even though full pardon and peace have been won by God through the death and resurrection of Jesus, it can still take a while for it to set in in our hearts. We need the gospel to be preached to us constantly. We need relentless reminders of God's triumph over the chaos in our lives by the cross of Jesus. We're talking about this today because peace is a process. We talk about peace in this way quite a lot, actually. How many times has the Middle East peace process been mentioned in newspapers and newscasts over the years? How often have you heard someone say, you know, I think I'm finally at peace with with this or that. We often think of peace as something that that we seek out and, and gradually find over the course of time. In fact, our key idea for this week from Believe says, I am free from anxiety because I have found peace with God, peace with others, and peace with myself. On your uh, Believe card, that tear-off tab, I've asked you uh, to identify the biggest obstacles getting in the way of peace in those three arenas in your own life. In this sense, at least, peace is a relationship word. And true peace is difficult to find when, when your relationships are broken, either with God or with others. And those broken relationships lead to broken hearts within ourselves. And so I'd like to focus especially on, on the first and the last of those, peace with God and peace with myself, because the two go hand in hand. Coming to, to complete peace with who we are in Christ often seems like a, a slow and painful process, especially in the wake of sin, either our own sin or, or the sins of others that have hurt us. The devil is constantly accusing us. He is the sworn enemy of God and God's people. And just like a, a suicide bomber on a kamikaze mission, he wants to interrupt the peace process and take you out with him. Don't let him have you. His accusations have no power against your baptism. He will whisper in your ear the enormity of your sin, or he'll hone in on that one particular sin that you just can't seem to let go of. When that happens, remember that that Jesus went to the cross not just for the full weight of humanity's sin or even just your sin, but for that one particular sin as well. Don't let Satan or anyone else tell you otherwise. Cling to the truth. (laughs) Cling to Jesus. Because the same Jesus who said to the wind and the waves, peace be still, The same Jesus who said to one broken sinner after another who came to him seeking forgiveness and healing, peace be with you, now says the same thing to you. Peace has a price, and Jesus has paid it in full. 
That doesn't mean that it's always easy for us to let that truth sink in. And we're not alone in that. After Jesus' death, his disciples were holed up behind locked doors, scared for their lives. And the risen Jesus comes and appears to them and greets them by saying, Peace be with you. But in the span of just three verses, Jesus needs to repeat himself. The disciples were afraid, and Jesus' response to their fear is to speak peace to them again and again. Sometimes Jesus has to repeat himself to us as well. Our uh, choir and band here, thank you, by the way, for all that you're contributing to our worship service. They kind of know what this means, because they heard this exact sermon at 8 o'clock, and uh, some of them will get to hear it again at 11, so the lucky ones. Um, Jesus, though, needs to, to repeat himself to us again and again, to share his peace with us again and again. It's not that his presence lacks power. It's our perception that's the problem, and the Lord works to clear up even that. Thankfully, real and true peace is not dependent on us at all, but on the prince of peace. Peace is not a feeling. It is a reality brought about and brought to us by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So when I say peace is a process, I mean that that sometimes it takes a while for it to sink in, that that the effects of sin in this world and in our lives are are real and often devastating, and, and we can't just sweep them under the rug. But Jesus has swept them away. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were doing our devotions, and we came across this reading from Martin Luther, uh, one of his reflections on the Passion. And and it's a little lengthy, but uh, I just want to share it all with you now. You cast your sins from yourself and onto Christ when you firmly believe that his wounds and sufferings are your sins, to be born and paid for by him. As we read in Isaiah 53, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. St. Peter says, in his body has he borne our sins on the wood of the cross. St. Paul says, God has made him a sinner for us so that we would be made just. You must stake everything on these and similar verses. The more your conscience torments you, the more tenaciously you must cling to them. If you do not do that, but presume to still your conscience with your contrition and penance, you will never obtain peace of mind, but will have to despair in the end. If we allow sin to remain in our conscience and try to deal with it there, or if we look at sin in our heart, it will be much too strong for us and will live on forever. But... If we behold it resting on Christ and see it overcome by his resurrection and then boldly believe this, even it is dead and nullified. Sin cannot remain on Christ since it is swallowed up by his resurrection. And I found it a bit fascinating that he quotes two of our three readings from today's service in that passage, especially since I'm pretty sure Luther himself never went through the belief program, or, or if he did, it was in German or something like that. But how beautifully he reminds us that when we look for peace and safety in anyone but God, we will be disappointed. But if we seek peace in Jesus, we will never be disappointed. 
As the psalmist says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So go ahead. Peer into the tomb as much as you want. Jesus still isn't going to be there. And your sins aren't either. They have been forever expunged from your record. Their flames have been extinguished once and for all by the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. And his resurrection is all the proof there need ever be for that. And this doesn't just apply to to finding peace after your own sin. This applies to everyone in every situation. To the hurt, the broken, the suffering, the isolated, the abused, the grieving. Jesus has suffered everything for you. Jesus is with you as, as you come to find his peace more and more each day. And Jesus has promised the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I was talking with somebody recently about the scars of Jesus. After his resurrection, he still bore the scars of his suffering on his body. He still had the holes in his hands. By his wounds, we are healed. Now he is also healed, and though his wounds remain, they they no longer hurt him or cause him pain, but they stand as an eternal testament of his dying and rising again love, a testament to the freedom that his suffering has won for us. So what about your scars? Maybe they still hurt. Maybe they're still raw. Or maybe they, they don't hurt so much anymore, but, but a little bit of that still remains. Or maybe they, they don't hurt at all anymore, but the mark left by the pain of the past will always be seen, if not felt. Like the scars of Jesus, let your scars stand as a testament to the redeeming love of your Savior. After all, we Christians of all people should know that appearances can be deceiving, Peace appeared to be dead and gone when its prince lay in a grave. But he was just renting it for a few days. He would soon have no use for it whatsoever. Peace was a process, but it was just a three-day process. Because of Christ's resurrection, we have peace in the promise of our own resurrection. And the day is swiftly coming when all graves and tombs and Burial plots and columbaria will forever be rendered useless because death has been rendered powerless. We can live with peace and without fear of death. The Roman philosopher Seneca once wrote, Praise and imitate that man to whom, while life is pleasing, death is not grievous. Now, Seneca wasn't a Christian himself, at least by most ancient accounts. But nevertheless, he does a fine job of pointing us to that God-man to whom death was not only not grievous, but by whom death was overthrown. And Christ's death and triumph over death have brought us perfection. That's the third blank in your sermon outline. Peace is perfection. In our Word for Wednesday devotion this past week, I I talked about the Hebrew word shalom, 
a word that is almost always translated as, as peace, but carries with it a sense of perfection, of completeness, of fullness, of, of wholeness. The peace that Christ's resurrection brings surpasses our understanding because it surpasses everything and puts everything in its proper place. And so even while peace is a process, it's not so much a process of seeking wholeness. It is a process of experiencing wholeness. As Pastor Brandt shared in his Easter message last week, Christ's resurrection takes effect both already and not yet. So while our wholeness and perfection is not yet complete, it is at the same time something we can rejoice in now. The peace given us by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is not contingent in the least upon our circumstances. He himself is our peace. And that peace is perfection because he is perfection. And as our lives found under Christ's cross and at the threshold of his empty tomb reflect that in every way, we both realize ourselves and show the world that peace is a privilege. Peace is a privilege to live out and to share with others. In our reading from 2 Corinthians 5, Paul pairs the beauty of our redemption with the privilege of proclaiming that redemption to others and practicing that redemption in our relationships with others along with the the forgiveness and life and salvation poured out on us in our baptism, given to us in the body and blood of Christ and Holy Communion, we have also been given the task of bringing those gifts to others. Along with reconciliation, we have also been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are called, as far as it depends on us, to live at peace with one another. Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We have been reconciled to God through Christ. Now we also reconcile with others through Christ, with estranged family members, with people in our past who have hurt us immensely. Even those who find our faith silly or or the peace that we exude a bit quaint or uninteresting. The God who guides our feet into the way of peace also makes those feet beautiful when we proclaim from the mountaintops his glory, when we publish peace. So, my brothers and sisters, let us be people of peace. We have peace with God through Christ. We have peace with others through the gift of reconciliation from Christ. We have peace with ourselves because we have Christ. Go out in joy and be led forth in the peace won by the blood of his cross and his victory over death. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus our Lord, now and forever. Amen.